if anyone in here is a Los Angeles Chargers fan? Yikes. Oh boy, uh that was uh that was tough to watch last night. But before I get into all of what happened, allow me to say one thing, everyone. Welcome to the mock draft. I am Carlos Moctezuma, and I will be your host throughout this journey. Before I begin my lectures, allow me to say thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you all joining me as I rant about certain things that happens in the sports world. So let's begin with what happened last night. The Los Angeles Chargers once again blew a double-digit lead. This is the third time this year that they have blown a double-digit lead. With the first being against Kansas City, they had a 17-6 lead and they lost 23-20. They had a 24-7 lead against Tampa Bay and lost 38-31. Last night, they had a 20-3 lead and lost 30 to 27. What's mind boggling about this whole thing is that the Chargers defense, they play so good in the first half. And then when it comes to the second half or when they have a very comfortable lead, they just, you know, they just take their foot off the gas as if they're going to win the game. They think just because we have a big lead, we're going to win. You still have 60 minutes to play. You cannot do this. This is professional football. You do not give up big leads. I don't care how bad certain teams are. You cannot take your foot off the gas. And what really gets at me and upsets me is that their rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, he played phenomenal yesterday. 20 of 34, 264 yards. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions. I thought he played phenomenal. He outplayed Drew Brees, and yet his defense just could not hold their own bargain. And don't get me started with the Chargers kicking game. Since 2017, they have had this problem. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they are cursed. I don't know if they have bad luck, but something is not right. Since 2017, that was Anthony Lynn's first year as head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. They have had... Five different field goal kickers. Two of them were punters in a total of seven kickers. And they all have one thing in common. When it came to making the game-tying or game-winning field goal, they have missed. And yesterday was no exception. Their field goal kicker, with five seconds left, had an opportunity to win the game and he lost by missing the field goal. And what happened in overtime? The Saints made their field goal. Chargers get the football right back. They could not score. And game was over. You would think that the Los Angeles Chargers defense would be their strength. However, it, that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Pass defense, they're ranked 27th. Rush defense, they're 12th. Not bad. Scoring defense, they're 15th. Okay, not bad. But yet, it all comes down to blowing these leads. Because when it comes to the first half, their defense is sensational. And you can see why most of their um, team stats is not that bad. With the exception of the pass defense. Because in the second half, when teams start to figure out their defense, they start to get big plays. 
they get receivers open, they open up the hole for running backs, and then it becomes a mess. And I want to get back to how they blow these leads. When they lost to Kansas City, they had a 17-6 lead with 8 minutes left. And they blew it. When they verse Tampa Bay, mind you, there were still a few minutes left in the second quarter. They were up 24 to 7. All they had to do was take a knee, but I also understood they wanted to run the football to run some time out. But what happened? Their running back fumbled the ball. Tampa Bay got the football back, and they scored a touchdown to make it at halftime 24 to 14. And from there on out, they were outscored 31 to 10, and they lost that game. Last night, they had a 20-3 lead with 4 minutes and 25 seconds left of the second quarter, and they got outscored by the New Orleans Saints 27-7. Do you see the problem here? Every time they have a big lead, they take their foot off the gas, and then they end up losing. You just feel bad for Justin Herbert. Played fantastic. But, you know, job wasn't finished. They couldn't get it done. Now let me talk about the New Orleans Saints right now. I have a little bit of concern for them. More so on the defensive side. Uh, Drew Brees is a little bit of a concern, but I think he's going to get better as the year progresses. Now, mind you, Drew Brees also does not have Michael Thomas, so I don't know if that could be it. Michael Thomas is his security blanket, although Emmanuel Sanders, he came yesterday to play. He still has Alvin Kamara, so I think he's going to be fine. Although, I think Alvin Kamara needs to touch the football more running it. I know he can catch the football well, but I think he needs to run it a little bit more. That's just me, but we'll see what happens. But I do think they're going to get better as the year progresses. But they also need to really get that defense uh, fixed. Because at this rate, I don't see the Saints beating the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Rams. It, and those three teams can put up points. So I had the Saints as my number two favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl right after Seattle. Only because of Russell Wilson. He is the only reason why I think Seattle is going to make it. But... If the Saints don't fix their defense up, they got to clean that up quickly. Because if not, I, I don't think they're going to go far. Now, you guys may think I'm crazy. But I think the Saints don't need the number one seed in order to get to the Super Bowl. Unless it's for injuries that they have. But I think they're going to do better if they have at least the number two or three seed compared to being the number one seed. And the reason why I say this is because if they have the number one seed, they're going to lose all that momentum that they had from the regular season by having that one week off. Whereas if they're at least the number two or three seed, they will go straight into the playoffs after their last game of the season. And then going into the second round, if they were to verse the number one seed, they'll at least have more reps. They'll be better prepared and they're not going to be rusty. And that gives them a better advantage. So it really depends on what happens. But I believe they'll be better off as a number two or three seed compared to being a number one seed. When you look at the New Orleans Saints schedule, the only teams I could see them losing to is 
at Bears, at Buccaneers, maybe at Broncos. It really depends on the weather and at home against the Chiefs. But based on their schedule, I could see them easily winning 13 games. Now, that could probably be good enough for the number one seed, but I still believe they're better off not having the number one seed. And again, like I said before, I only believe that the teams that can beat the New Orleans Saints if they don't fix their problems are the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, and the Los Angeles Rams. That's about it. Every other team, like the Bears, the NFC East division winners, it could be the Cowboys or the Eagles, one of those two, they're not beating the Saints. The Bears are not beating the Saints. I believe if the 49ers meet the Saints, the 49ers are not going to beat them. If the 49ers fix their problems, because they are in a bunch of trouble right now as well. But other than that, it's only three teams that I believe that can beat the Saints if they don't fix their problems. Speaking of NFC East, I want to talk about something that happened on Sunday. Around the third quarter, Dak Prescott was scrambling to gain a couple of yards for a first down. And unfortunately, he suffered a compound right ankle fracture. I was watching it. I didn't know what happened. I thought he hurt his calf. But then after seeing what happened, it was it was devastating to see. For those of you who don't know, I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. And honestly, I have no hopes for the Cowboys. I usually don't have that much confidence in them because they always underachieve. I, I just don't like how their defense plays. Their offense, I think, just shows up when it's least expected. But yeah, it was just very, very tough to see that injury because I'm a huge fan of Dak Prescott. I know he doesn't um, show up when it counts in terms of winning football games, but he's not going to give up. That's one thing I do like about him. He will not give up. But that injury was devastating. He's gone for the rest of the year. I don't know what his future will be like moving forward. But this is what I don't like about teams being franchise tagged, especially a quarterback. Football is a very, very dangerous sport. It's a very physical contact sport. And you never know if one play can change your whole career. We saw on Sunday afternoon Alex Smith returning to play football after two years. He had a terrible, and I mean a terrible, leg injury that nobody knew if he was ever going to play football again. I do believe Dak Prescott will recover. Physically-wise, yes, I believe he can recover. But I do not know what will it do mentally and psychologically to him. I hope he does recover well from that. I believe he's going to recover well. But that contract that he has been looking for, I don't think he's going to be getting that. And it's unfortunate. 
And I understand the quarterback market value, how it works. But me personally, I didn't think he deserved the contract because I never thought he was um, worthy of what he was looking for. But he did deserve the contract because I do understand how the quarterback market is valued. But unfortunately, this is just what I believe. I feel like Jerry Jones just does not believe in him. And I've known about this since day one when Dak was the starting quarterback in 2016. After Romo was hurt. And then once Romo got healthy, Dak had his team 8-1, I believe, going into Pittsburgh. Jerry Jones wanted Tony Romo to start. Jason Garrett fought to and nail to keep Dak as the starting quarterback. Jerry Jones also wanted a scenario where he would hope if the Cowboys were to make it to the Super Bowl, whereas Tony Romo would get the chance to start in the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, and possibly win Super Bowl MVP. That was Jerry Jones' dream because Jerry Jones loves Tony Romo so much. That's when I knew he was not really the biggest supporter of Dak like he would be supporting Tony Romo. Now, mind you, Jerry Jones in 2013 gave Tony Romo a six-year, $108 million contract, $55 million guaranteed with a $25 million signing bonus. And Tony Romo had only won one playoff game all that time. Never proved to be that guy to take them to the next level. Tony Romo from 2006 all the way to 2016 in 10 years won two playoff games. Dak Prescott as the starting quarterback for the Cowboys from 2016 to 2020 already has one playoff game won. And Jerry Jones does not want to take care of him. Jerry Jones will take care of every other player. He took care of DeMarcus Cousins. Ezekiel Elliott. He's took care of Jalen Smith. And mind you, there are some players that he took care of that have off the field issues. Most notably, Ezekiel Elliott with his, you know, situation, how that went. But yet Dak Prescott, who has never been caught doing something like that, has been a very model citizen. Has never questioned Jerry Jones. Can't get a contract. Now, people have said they, Jerry Jones has offered him a contract. But we do not know what is fully guaranteed. Everyone always wants to know what is fully guaranteed. According to the reports, Jerry Jones offered Dak Prescott five years, $175 million. However... What nobody recognizes and nobody wants to talk about is they never mention what was fully guaranteed. Dak Prescott wanted a four-year contract, but was not given that. Now he has a franchise tag where he's only going to make $31.4 million this year only. From what most NFL players, former NFL players say, the franchise tag is not good. From what they tell us, it's basically what the owners are telling their players is that 
you need to prove to us that you're better than this. And from Dak's mindset, you can think that he's saying the same thing. Jerry Jones does not believe in him. And so it's unfortunate because it means Dak has to go out and prove that he's actually better than what he is. And it's sad. Honestly, like, he's played and surpassed the expectations that was given to him. And listen, four games in, he leads the league in passing. The Cowboys are the number one team in total offense, total passing yards. And yet Jerry Jones says, I need to see more. And it's sad. And now, once Dak gets healthy, he has to not only prove to Jerry Jones that he is better than what he thinks, but he also has to prove to not only Jerry Jones, but any other team that wants to sign him, if Jerry Jones decides to let him go, if he can stay healthy now. And that is going to be very, very tough. Me personally... As much as I don't want to say it, I believe Dak Prescott should leave Dallas and not return. And the reason why I say that is because of how Jerry Jones has mistreated him. Dak Prescott has been nothing but class. He has handled business well. Adversity. Whenever Jerry Jones puts him in a tough spot, he just answers the question without having any controversy. He makes sure... He does the right thing, says the right things, but never has the support of his owner. I don't know where Dak would go if he were to leave, but I do hope that if he were to leave, he makes sure that he gets paid what he gets, what he's looking for, and he makes sure my Cowboys suffer because honestly, as much as I hate to say it, I would like to see how my team does without a quarterback. A franchise quarterback, mind you. They're going to have Andy Dalton start for the rest of the year. We know how that's going to turn out. It's either he'll lead them to the playoffs if they make it, and they'll probably lose the first round, or they're going to crumble into pieces. I will say this also. If this offense, and I believe it will, if this offense starts to go down as the season goes on, it's a win for Dak because it shows, hey, I'm putting up all these yards with these receivers, with this running back, tight ends, yet you don't want to pay me. If Andy Dalton cannot put up points and yards the way Dak Prescott did, it's a win for Dak. Now that Dak is going to be gone, I believe this offense is going to start relying more heavily on Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to start running the football more, which they should be doing, to be honest. Honestly, like, that's another thing. I believe they should not be having this offense rely more on passing than running. Because when Zeke first came into the league, his first three years led the league in rushing. He was sensational. And teams prepare to stop him. When that happens then Dak Prescott can flourish because they're trying to stop Ezekiel Elliott. But because they're passing the football so much more now, that's why they're always behind in football games. 
This team was built around Ezekiel Elliott. They need to run the football a lot more. They throw the football much more than running the football. And that's why they're always behind. They don't establish the run early. And I believe that is why they are right now two and three. Easily could be one and four if it wasn't for Atlanta giving that game away to them. But it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I doubt the Cowboys are going to go far. I don't see a scenario where they even win a division. But given how this division is, I don't know what the Eagles are going to be like. The Washington team, they're not that great. The Giants, I don't even know if they're going to win a football game or not this year. I'll give them one or two games, but I don't know. It really depends on if Daniel Jones finds a way to win. Because without Saquon, the Giants are nothing. Their defense is good. I will say this. Their defense is really good. But other than that, I don't think the Giants are going to go anywhere. And I don't think they're going to win more than two games. Tonight, we have Tuesday Night Football. Who would have imagined that? It's between... The Buffalo Bills 4-0 against Tennessee 3-0. Now, why are we having a game on Tuesday night? It's because Tennessee Titans have had 22 people from their organization test positive for COVID-19. Now, I don't know how and what is going on over there, but I assume they're not following protocols. The NFL is trying to investigate what is going on. We have not heard anything since. But they have already told Tennessee Titans that whatever you do, it must be in the facility and not to fool around. Buffalo Bills come into tonight's game led by Josh Allen. Who would have imagined this guy would already be making the case for an MVP? So far this season, he already has 1,326 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns and only one interception. He is second in passing the football at 316 yards a game. Their offense is third in total yards at 410. They have been sensational. I didn't think they were going to be this good. I had, you know, my doubts because the first two games, they beat the Jets, they beat the Dolphins. I was like, all right, let's see what you got. Week three, they beat the Rams. That was a very good, impressive win. They had a big lead. They blew it, but they found a way to win the game. But tonight they're versing Tennessee, who is 11th in offense, 9th in rushing. Buffalo's defense against the run is 8th. Tennessee's run offense is 9th. So will Buffalo slow down Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill beat them? That is something I would like to see. I still have my doubts for Ryan Tannehill. Only because last year was, to me, a one-year fluke. I have to see if he can do this again. Because, remember, when he was in Miami with the Dolphins for all those years, in 2012, he was never able to get Miami over the hump. But that could also be because he did not have a good coach in Adam Gase. People say that Adam Gase is the quarterback guru. However, I believe Peyton Manning made him. Or I could just say Peyton Manning was just that great. Because when Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator in Chicago for the Bears, for Jay Cutler, 
Jay Cutler had a career year, but they didn't go anywhere. Peyton Manning basically was just that great. He was Peyton Manning. Then Adam Gase got a head coaching job with the Miami Dolphins, with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback, mind you. And Ryan Tannehill did not do what he has done so far in Tennessee. Adam Gase is now the head coach for the New York Jets. His quarterback is Sam Darnold. I feel as if Sam Darnold has regressed because of Adam Gase. That says a lot. I don't think Adam Gase is meant to be a head coach. If anything, he could be an offensive coordinator, but that's about it. So we're going to see if Ryan Tannehill can play like he did last year and see if he can live up to that contract that he signed this year. As for my prediction for tonight, I will say this. I think Buffalo is going to win. And the reason why I say that is because Tennessee hasn't played in a while. Due to the COVID situation going around in their facility, I believe Buffalo will be better prepared. Now, I think Derrick Henry is going to have a big game, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Bills are going to make Ryan Tannehill beat them. And I don't see a scenario where Ryan Tannehill can actually win this game for them. If Tennessee is going to win this game, it'll be because of Derrick Henry and their defense. If the Bills make Ryan Tannehill beat them, they can live with that. But they will not allow Derrick Henry beat them. And so, I believe it's going to be low scoring. Defense will be playing well today. But I believe Buffalo will prevail. I will go 20-14. to 14, Low scoring. Will it be close? Yes. But I believe Buffalo will pull away. Get the job done. They will go to 5-0. and 0, And we will see where they go from here on out. Do I believe they will win the division? Not just yet. I need to see how they play against New England. Because New England, even though they're 2-2... Two two, I can't count them out just yet. So we're going to see how good Buffalo is to win this division. If they do win this division, that will be a great accomplishment. And I will give them a standing ovation. But like I said, I need to see how they do against New England. Especially if New England has a record close to theirs as the season progresses. Now, just because I think Buffalo is going to win... Tonight doesn't mean anything in terms of what do I think they're going to do in the playoffs. I don't think they are better than Kansas City. I don't think they're better than Baltimore. I don't think they're better than the Steelers. And honestly, it all depends on if Cam is going to be playing. If Cam is playing, they're not beating the Patriots. If Cam doesn't play... I give Buffalo at least a 65% chance to beat the Patriots. But right now, they're more like a dark horse team. We'll see what happens down the line. But I don't believe they're better than those four teams that I mentioned. The same thing with the Tennessee Titans. They're not better than the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, or the Patriots either. However... They did beat the Patriots and the Ravens last year in the playoffs. Can they do it again this year? 
I do not believe so. I believe if they were to verse the Patriots, they're going to have to deal with Cam Newton, who is more mobile and can run, and he's a dual-threat quarterback who causes problems for many defenses. In the case of Baltimore, I believe Lamar Jackson is going to learn how to play better. They're going to be well-prepared this time, and he is on a mission. We all know that. So really, this game between Buffalo and Tennessee really comes down to as who is the dark horse to come out of the AFC if those four teams I mentioned don't make it. 